Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Roar Lions Roar. I am your host tonight, Matt Filipovitz, and I'm joined by my handsome and talented co-host, Craig Fritz. Craig, hello. How are you? Matt, you're, Matt, you're too kind. Thank you very much. Um, you, we're getting ready for Halloween in, in our household. Already? And so the kids are all, yeah, they have, they have colds, but what else are we going to do? Everybody gets sick. We we decorate for Halloween, but otherwise we're nice. Good. We're nice. Good. Well, I think we're all in a pretty good mood because Penn State is three and zero, coming off of an absolute uh, dismembering. I think is the best way to put it of the Auburn Tigers in Jordan Hare, uh, and now it kind of feels like a bit of a a bit of a lull in the schedule as with Central Michigan, the uh, the Chippewas now coming to Happy Valley here in about what is it thirty six hours from time of recording, give or take a little bit more than that. Uh, but it's coming up quick, so it's the second MAC opponent Penn State has played thus far, uh, coming off of a pretty dominant performance over the Ohio Bobcats two weeks ago. So now they welcome their second MAC team into town. It's the final non-conference game of the season, and Craig, let's just jump right in. What are your general thoughts on this Penn State Central Michigan ba- uh, matchup? I know neither of us are are chip experts, and neither of us will claim to be, but I think there's a there's some fight in this team from what we've seen so far. You, you know, it's really interesting. Uh, one, it, how fast has it already gone? We're talking about we're already a quarter way through the season, um, finishing the non-con. Uh, it's going to get really interesting here in the next couple of weeks with some huge games and a, a buy looming on the horizon. But um, I'm not really sure. If, the feeling that we've talked about here is Central Michigan might be a little bit of a slow starting group. Um, if we go to their first game, they played, uh, you know, at Oklahoma state and the final score was much closer than I feel like the game probably went. it was, uh, 58 44. And you think, well, that's a lot of points that they put up on Oklahoma state. But if we say, hold on, you know, not to steal from boomer, we say, you know, hold on just one second. It was 51 15 with 37 seconds into the third quarter. That is the Oklahoma State 51 and Central Michigan 15. And then, obviously, uh, Mike Gundy put in his backups and walk-ons and other players that needed to get experience, much like Penn State is hoping to do. And the uh, Chippewas rolled off what looks like one, two, four touchdowns um, to close out the game in garbage time. So I think, you know, a lot closer than you'd, uh, or a bigger, bigger margin than you'd, you know, expect. And then South Alabama, they lost at home by 14. You think, okay, South Alabama played UCLA to one, uh, a one point game. But then we dig a little bit deeper. South Alabama up 37-10 at halftime, 38-10, you know, 11 minutes to go in the game. And again, Central Michigan scores two garbage time touchdowns to make it appear a closer game than it really was. I feel like this is a script that could be repeated a little bit. I also feel like the young guys in Penn State secondary that are going to be in the game late are a very high caliber and perhaps a higher caliber than we saw at Oklahoma State and South Alabama. So. Yeah, and those garbage time touchdowns could be uh, could be interesting. At time of recording, Penn State is a twenty seven and a half point favorite. 
And I know you and for our friends yeah, in the desert, from our friends, our friends in, the in the desert, and the over yeah. under is currently set at sixty two and a half. And Craig, I know you and I were talking before we hit record here, and that's fluctuated a ton over the past like three or four mm-hmm. days. I think you said you saw it get as high as like over thirty one for Penn State as a favorite. So garbage time could now, easily uh, cost some people some money if, if things roll out that way again. <laughs> Take it with a grain of salt. This is in the score app. It does a little bit of a line tracking and their chart has it up as high as 31. I don't know if that's actually officially been seen anywhere, um, but right now it's riding out at 28, according to them. So, um, and then last week, uh, Central Michigan um, laid waste to our neighbors, the mighty bison of Bucknell and uh, just totally shut the doors there. Uh, 41-0 win and allowed like 150 yards of total offense uh, while putting up 500 of their own. But really, I don't think we can take anything from that. Might as well not even have happened. Yeah, for those kind of games, it's a little bit hard to get a read on it. But overall, the Chippewas sit at 1-2 and two with losses to Oklahoma State and South Alabama and that win over Bucknell. They're coached by Jim McElwain, former Florida head coach. Uh, And their offensive coordinator is Paul Petrino, who, if that name sounds familiar, he was the head coach of Idaho when the Vandals came into town and lost by like 60 points in uh, in 2019. And Mike Zordich, former Penn Penn State alum, is the DB's coach at Central Michigan. And his career arc is fascinating um, as a coach with the Philadelphia Eagles and then Youngstown State, okay, then Michigan for five years and then Central Michigan. So who knows? Um, he's still working, but yeah, he'll, he'll have a little bit of a homecoming here this Saturday. Craig, I just learned from Nick. I don't know what I hit, but we are also live on YouTube right now. So hello to anybody watching live. Oh, so that's fun. I have no idea. Shout out. I have no idea what I hit, but we're just going to keep rolling along. Like that's not happening. So if you're in the chat, I apologize. Um, but for some reason, uh, Nick could not drive tonight. So I am leading the charge. So apologies for that. Uh, but all right, Craig, uh, he should have got, he should have planned his booster better is what he should have done. So he wouldn't be waylaid and down for the count. That's true. Especially ahead of the, maybe the biggest game on Penn state schedule, because every game is the biggest game on Penn state schedule. Let's never, That's right. Want to know, baby. let's never forget that. So I, I don't want to, I don't want to overlook the Chippewas because we've seen a lot of these group of five over power five upsets, uh, mainly in the Sunbelt conference. We haven't seen that many in the Mac, but I think after what we've seen from Penn State over the past couple of weeks, the focus is more on what the Nittany Lions can do to improve their football team more so than it's to get by Central Michigan. I think Franklin tipped his hand after the Ohio game when he said the team was already practicing silent count ahead of the Auburn or ahead of Ohio to prep for Auburn. So I think they they kind sure. of understand where things are going to stand and what the point of this game is. So We'll shift a little bit. And and Craig, obviously you want to see a win here. But in your opinion, what constitutes success for Penn State in this game? What does that look like for you? They were so efficient in Auburn, in my opinion, and really took advantage of short fields with the turnovers, Turn, you know, constantly pressuring Auburn. Auburn couldn't do anything on offensive note. And in the second half, especially, Penn State turned that into brutal efficiency in the running game just mauling the Tigers over and over. And um, Sean Clifford didn't have to throw the ball much. 19 pass attempts. What I would like to see and what I think would be another building block in this season as we move forward and you know down the road, it's like I would love to see Sean Clifford out of the game after four 
touchdown drives to open open mm-hmm. play. You know, Penn State's up 28 zip, hand the keys to Drew Aller and let him have four, five, six drives um, to just continue building that uh, resume, building that experience um, that you, you just can't simulate game in practice. So, you know, and he, he needs that whether Clifford gets dinged or, you know, looking forward to next season, it's, it's vital to get him um, as many true game reps as we possibly can. So that's kind of what I would love to see just brutal efficiency four touchdowns, you know, no points, you know, whatever central Michigan can move the ball over 500 yards um, against Oklahoma state. But, and they are returning the FBS you know, leader in rushing yards from last season. I would be remiss if I did not mention um, his name, uh, which is uh, Lou Nichols. Lou III. Nichols the yeah. third. A guy you can, that is a that is a yeah. name. You're going to remember Lou Nichols the yeah. third. If you can run like that, I don't know what happened to. Yeah, <laughs> carrying on the legacy. Well, I don't know what happened to Lou Nichols one and two, but Lou Nichols the third is going to show up in Beaver Stadium <laughs> on Saturday. So, so the number you called out there was 21 nothing. So a 21-point lead. If, uh, 28. I'm sorry, 28, 28 nothing. 28, sorry. If, let's say, yeah. I'm not saying this will happen. Let's say that happens for Penn State, though, midway through the second quarter. Do you think they pull the plug on Clifford that early? Or do you think they let him play a half and then let Aller take over? Or do you think it's like a, like a hard out if the lead gets to that point? You know, I was actually surprised at how early Aller came in the game against yeah. Ohio because I want to say it was like 24 six or something it was like after halftime though it was in the um, third quarter it was after mm-hmm. halftime yes and you know penn state wasn't firing on all cylinders offensively in the first half if clifford puts up four touchdowns i don't there's nothing else for him to prove mm-hmm. there are a ton of guys on this team that are becoming major contributors mm-hmm. in the underclasses in the freshman and sophomore class and i think that it is imperative to get them as many game reps as possible like i don't need to see Mitchell Tinsley getting reps. I don't need to see Clifford getting reps. Um, I think that it's time to, you know, really get some seasoning on the younger guys. And um, if it's 28, nothing at the end of the first quarter, I don't care. Put them in. It's not like, it's not like they're going to come back and threaten Penn state. And if somehow that happened, Clifford could go back. I mean, it's like a, an unbelievable scenario mm-hmm. that, to me that that would right. occur. Yeah, I, I would tend to agree. And in terms of what constitutes success in this game for me, uh, I think it's got to be, how do I want to word this? I'm not really looking for them to dominate a Mac team because we've already seen them dominate an SEC team. Like, I, I don't think you're really going to learn anything new about this team if they beat Central Michigan 41 to 12. Like, I don't think we can get anything there. And I'll echo your point and, and I'll kind of shift it over to the defensive side of the ball. I want to see young playmakers make big plays. We saw Abdul Carter have a big breakout against Auburn. Huge. Oh game. my God. Oh my God. That guy is going to be a star if he's not already considered one. But I want to see uh, a Kalen King make a big play. I want to see Deny Dennis Sutton make a big play. I want to see those young guys continue to get those reps. And it, it kind of feels like my opinion of how they build their depth chart is changing because these young guys have gotten reps in every single game. So asking to see a lot of them, doesn't really feel like, you know, a, a big request at this point. So now it's right. more, I want to see that that experience is translating into on-field results. So I want to see again, deny Dennis Sutton. I want to see uh Keon Wiley. If he gets in KJ Winston's a guy, the staff seems really high on. And then, 
you know, Love flipping him. over to the offensive yeah. side of the ball, I want to see if, um, oh my God, what's the, uh, Caden Saunders. Oh my God. I'm sorry, Caden. Yeah, Saunders, I, told, yep. I was thinking, I was almost said Tyler <laughs> Saunders. I almost combined two of their names, but I want to see Caden Saunders. I want to see Liam Clifford. I want to see more Harrison Wallace. Like I want to see these young guys not only now get on the field, but make plays and, and make these moments that are going to make me think we have a more complete team because, you know, let, let's face it, Central Michigan's not that big of a challenge. Northwestern lost at home to the Southern Illinois Salukis. And listen, I'm, I'm a Saluki fan as much as the next guy, but that doesn't really strike fear into me. <laughs> so you have essentially, you know, it's October 22nd at time of recording. You have three weeks to prep for Michigan. September I'm sorry, 22nd. Excuse me. What did I say? Yeah. October? September October. 22nd. Close. We have three weeks, essentially, <laughs> to prep for Michigan. So get the whole team ready. Find out who can play. Make that travel roster as complete as possible with as many guys as you can who can make a really big impact. And I'm going to call Nick a producer kind of right now because I'm going to go back on the rule I said where I will not acknowledge the chat because I forgot I set this to live. And Nick has said we have something uh, from Dan W. And, and Craig, I'll let you handle this. Drew Aller, over, under, four drives. I think it's over. No question. I think it's over, too. And I think, and, you know, and, and this is like, they they obviously want to get um, Christian Veyer some time, too. But um, the confidence that can be built by these young guys having success, and you just talked about a lot of receivers and a lot of guys in the defensive backfield and um, linebacking core, that building – the blocks of this like confidence is what can make a tentative, really talented freshman become, you know, a player that they can depend on. And so I'm, I'm over, I, I think it's over. I, I hope it's over, you know, and, and our optimism um, runneth, you know, over, but I'm saying more than four drives for Aller would be. Uh, I'd excellent. lean closer to eight than I would to four. I think, yeah, I think, Man, if we get 12 drives in a game, that's pretty I, good. I could see a lot of Drew Aller in this one. And then uh, uh, Matthew D has said he wants to see some Bo Prabula. I don't think that's uh, that's realistic, uh, just because I think they're pretty set on redshirting him. Uh, because the quarterback room yeah. could easily look a lot different next year. You know, Cliff's gone. Correct. Who knows what happens with Veyer. Uh So you want to make sure you have Prabula with that year of eligibility maintained. So I don't think we're going to see any of him this year. Also, you don't need him because you have three other dudes who showed they can play. I mean, yeah, it, unless it's some un, before you were born, Matt, I'm going way back. Penn State beat Cincinnati 81-0. Unless there is a situation that th- that sort of score occurs, I don't think we're going to see both. Uh, when, what year was that, PSU-Cincinnati? I believe it was 1991. Okay, all right, that is a little bit before my time, but oh my God, could you imagine? <laughs> I couldn't imagine a team dropping 80 in this, in this day and age. It's been, a, it's been, we've seen 70s. It was absurd. But- we haven't seen that in, in quite a long time. But speaking of 70s and 80s, retro, vintage, these are all words that remind me of our podcast sponsor, homefieldapparel.com. Craig, how you like that? I really like that. I like segment. that as a segue. Really like Not, I'm a pro. Again, graduate of the Penn State podcasting class. <laughs> Not everybody can say that because the class had like 19 of us. So as you know, or if you don't know by now, Homefield Apparel is the main sponsor of our podcast. They're a premium collegiate apparel brand. I see Craig, you have one of the Homefield sweatshirts on right now, the hoodie. Nice. Love it. 
So an soft. old school PSU logo that I actually remember having like an OG one of those sweatshirts that I'm sure I got from like my dad or something. I remember that logo, but they are some of the softest shirts and sweatshirts I think Craig and I own. I wore my Take Me to Happy Valley crew neck around the house today because it was like 55 here for most of the day. It was perfect. It's perfect Ooh. crew neck weather. Their shirts are comfy. They're unique. They take the time to make you feel closer to the school through their logos and through their designs. And if you didn't hear about Big New Saturday, that's because Penn State retired it. Penn State went out there and they dominated the home field marketing. Uh, I don't even know what to call it. The marketing campaign that was Big New Saturday. Basically, they tracked their sales from the different schools across, I think it was 15 weeks in Big New Saturday season two or season three. And Penn State went out there and they beat them all. So if you don't know, you know, they're our official sponsor. Use the promo code ROARLIONSROAR to get 15% off your first order. That's ROARLIONSROAR, all caps. And thank you to Homefield for being just really awesome people to work with. I cannot wait to uh, wear that crew neck to the bar this weekend and uh, and show off show off some Homefield swag and some Penn State pride. So excited about that. It is really lovely yeah. stuff. They just released um, a new Wake Forest yes. line uh yesterday Whew. fire if i was a deeks yeah. fan oh man yeah. some really nice yeah. stuff all right craig this is kind of going to be building off what we talked about last time but it's the last non-conference game of the year it's really the last true cupcake of the year you know say what you want about northwestern or you know whatever else they, sure. you know the indiana school uh schools are going to look like but what questions do you still want answered in the last non-conference game that haven't been answered through the first three weeks? I feel like a lot of my questions got answered, uh, especially after that Auburn game, but I I'm curious where you stand on this. You know, it's really interesting because a week ago we did our stock up, stock down. We had some concerns about the kicking game, about the linebacker unit, uh, about the defensive ends, and then we watched the Auburn game and literally every unit that we um, were concerned about or showed, you know, a little bit of trepidation, just completely balled yeah. out. Jake Pinniger nearly ties a career long field goal distance. Um, it was like a true strike. It was there was no, oh, is it, you know, was, is it close? Is it not? It was right down the middle. He had his other field goal, five extra points. Um, I would still love to see his consistency extending into this game. I'm hoping he's kicking all extra points and no field goals, but you know, um, I, is, 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 is the kickoff specialist a question, uh, is, uh, Sahedic or Wosu, does it, does it matter to you? Do you care which guy is handling it? Have you seen more consistency from one or the other? Like, do you have a, is, is that something that you want to see ironed out before we get in, you know, I'm looking for these like small mm -hmm. things. So start with that. Uh, one thing I want to make sure I call it with Pinnaker is th the 49 yard kick was extra impressive to me because I believe the number was 42 and in is pin 43 and out is stout was I, oh, I think it was, was the rule of thumb going back to those days. So to watch Pinnaker extend beyond the range that he had, you know, before he ended up losing that starting job and to pretty much nail it, like right down the gut. And that wasn't really yeah. at a point of the game where things were out of hand. They were trending that no. way. But I think that that right. kick was a pretty big moment for Pinnaker. So again, it, it's one kick in uh in a 
not out of it yet stadium, but sleepy stadium. But that was definitely a step in the right direction. And then for kickoffs, I mean, they're not getting touchbacks anymore. And that's a bit stressful, but the coverage has been outstanding. outstanding. Dom DeLuca is an yes. absolute maniac that's in kick coverage. I, I know Dom. you and I have talked about this maybe more than we've talked about anything else regarding this Penn State team has been Dom DeLuca <laughs> on kickoffs, um, which is pretty unique for, for you and me to, to talk about something so uh, minute. But I, I'm not really sure what the goal they're trying to do is. It feels like they're not trying to do touchbacks anymore. And if your coverage is like that and, you know, you're, you're pinning teams back inside their 20 as opposed to inside their 25, you know, you're putting guys at risk, but it, it kind of feels like a net gain in the end to me. Oh, for sure. I mean, how demoralizing is it to start a drive on the 17 instead of the 25? You're already 12 yards behind the chain if you just fair caught yeah. the ball. Um, another, okay, so another question that I would love to see answered, right? Um, so far this year, and we have, again, no inside information about what's going on with these two guys, but Koziah Izzard and Smith Vilbert have yet to play on the defensive line. Both were, well, especially Izzard, was a huge contributor, a starter at um, defensive tackle when um, PJ got hurt in the Iowa game last year and started the rest of the season. He has yet to play this year. Smith Vilbert splashed in the bowl game. He has yet to play this year. Um, I would, I would love to, you know, at some point something's got to right. give. Um, and they're a very important depth and talent players uh, for the long term for the goals that this team has long-term and they're going to need them in the meat of the big 10 schedule. So it'd be great to figure out what's going on with those. I know. uh, I I think it was after game four of 2021 that we found out Hakeem Beeman was going to be unavailable through the remainder of the season. Cause Franklin will say if somebody's unavailable for the remainder of the season for the, for the, he he will come out and say that. And he hasn't said that yet. And, and Izzard and Vilbert have been at practice. So I, I think it's something to do with, they just have to, uh, I guess kind of take their lumps, take their medicine, whatever you want to call it in this context. So I, I don't know if I can declare them, you know, n- a non-factor if they don't play this week, but considering that would align with the Beeman timeline for when he got ruled out, I, I would get a little bit concerned that they're trending that way if, if we don't see him out there this week. Sure. But actually, I, have, I want to pick your brain on that really quick. Okay. Could it end up, assuming Izzard and Vilbert are eligible and do come back to play, will it end up being a net positive that guys like Amin Vanover, uh, guys like Zane Durant, uh, Jordan Vandenberg got more reps while Izzard and Vilbert were unavailable? Like, Could it end up being a gain in the end, even though you missed two key pieces early on? Yeah, I mean, especially in, in hindsight when you did you you didn't really need them at Auburn, which is the place that you thought maybe, and obviously Purdue was a very tight game, one in the last minute, and who knows what sort of impact they could have had there, because the defensive line really struggled to get, um, you know, its footing. But you know, hat off to Jordan Vanderberg, who was credited with a sack and a stat correction following the mm-hmm. Auburn game, so good for him. But it is, you know, these are, are vital reps um, for the health of your program you never want to see a guy like PJ or you never want to see a guy like Isaac go down, but having, you know, quality players behind is something that eases that burden. Um, when you lose, uh, a stud. So yeah, yeah it's, it's ex- a blessing is a disguise is a weird turn of phrase that 
but it, it will end up benefiting the team um, to get more guys experience at those positions. Yeah, for and, sure. I, and I think one guy who's really taken advantage of that has been Amin Vanover. Like I, I could not be more impressed with him. I also really like like the no hand in the dirt defensive end. I don't know why. I, I right. think it's just a very a very unique kind of player. I don't think we've seen Penn State have that kind of guy. Like Shaka Tony probably could have been that guy, but he would get in a four point stance a lot and just like act like a sprinter coming out of the blocks and beat dudes off the edge. I kind of, yeah, I kind of feel like the four point stance because um, Gross Matos did it mm-hmm. too was um, maybe a Sean Spencer. Oh, that's thing. a good point. I hadn't thought about that because we haven't really seen it under John yeah. Scott. Um, and I do like the stand up because the uh, the amorphousness or the amoeba-esque qualities of the defensive nice line if everybody's standing up i mean you who who's coming now it does you know, obvious passing situations etc mm-hmm. etc because et you don't want to get blown off the ball um by your lower leverage offensive lineman but it is it, it's definitely fun to watch um because it's great to see fans don't even know where the blitz is coming from uh, so far. And especially because they drop defensive ends a good bit. Like Adisa has been back in coverage mm-hmm. on, on more than a handful of plays so far. And, and I'm curious to see if one of them can, if they can get their hands on it, because I think the last defensive lineman to get a pick dropping like that would have been Anthony Zettel's pick six of JT Barrett in 14. We'd have to go back I think and look. That's I know it. that I know Carl Nassib yep. did that. Oh, and, yeah, that was probably more um, recently. I don't know if he had a pick, okay, but it was it was it, I wouldn't say it was a staple. It's definitely a feature of uh, Brent Pry's defense as well to have the end fade into the flat, um, and they'd rush someone else and just really trying to throw the quarterback off. But yeah, it, that would be a fun stat lookup just to see who it was. Yeah, yeah, I wonder what that is. In, in terms of what I want to see, to still have you know my last little little amount of questions. That's not the right term and phrase, but you know what I mean. My last few questions answered is. I don't think they figured out the perfect combination of 11 guys on offense or defense yet. I think they're rotating so many guys and so many guys are playing in new and expanded roles that we haven't figured out or the staff hasn't figured out how to get the best 11 on the field at the same time. Like, I think you and I both want to see a package where Curtis Jacobs and Abdul Carter are on the field at the same time. Those snaps right now are going to be few and far between, if any, because Carter is Jacobs' backup. But I don't think there's any question that, you know, first through these first three games, those are Penn State's two best linebackers. And Penn State's... Yeah, they're both Yeah, freaks. they're both absolutely unreal. And then in terms of Penn State's secondary, there's so many moving parts. I don't know who has played the best of that fifth defensive back on the field. I think unquestionably it's been Wheatley, Brown, Joey Porter Jr., and Johnny Dixon are the starting four. But for that number five spot, I don't know if that's a, the role best for Kalen King, Daquan Hardy, Jalen Reed. Like, And, I, and maybe it's just going to continue to rotate throughout the year. But if you want to go you know, your pure best 11 on the field, I don't think you found that yet defensively or found a way to get all those guys on the field at the same time. So I'm curious to see if we see more of, I think it's called the Prowler package. We learn now when they right. go, you know, pure D- seven, yeah, DBs. seven DBs. I wonder if we're going to see some <laughs> variation of that over the, over the course of this game, just to find out who plays best in what role, because you can kind of rotate all of those guys all around that defensive backfield in that package. So I'm curious what that looks like. And then 
offensively, Theo Johnson played at Auburn, but it's not like he got a lot of run. Mm -hmm. And I'll be honest, Brenton Strange has played so well. I I think he's I think I, I was really leaning towards Johnson getting the majority of the reps among that position group. I don't think you can take Brenton Strange off the field anymore. I think he's playing that well as a blocker, as a pass catcher. He he had a quote after the Auburn game, I believe, where he's like, I'm 6'3", 240. It should be hard to tackle me. And I, I love that <laughs> mindset. That mindset is just really, really like he's got that dog in him this year. And, and he's got, he's got, the, got dog the dog in him, in him to yeah. say the least. So I'm curious to see how they mix and match the, those tight ends with the receivers. You know, if it's two tight ends and two receivers, if it's, you know, the three, the three receiver set, and then what tight end gives you the best option. The running back room sounds like it's still going to be that rotation, but I think Singleton established himself as the clear number one, but I just want to see how they continue to find ways to find their best 11. And then if there comes to be a point in time where it's just, we need our best 11 out there on both sides of the ball. I want to see a guy step up and claim that 10th and 11th spot on those units. Right. You're talking, I mean, specifically on offense, right tackle is the, is the concern there. You want to see, you, you don't want to have a timeshare at right tackle, especially going to Ann Arbor mm-hmm. and then uh, Minnesota and Ohio state coming to be, but, but strange like, has taken not... a lot of pressure off of that group so far. It, a lot. For sure. For so sure. maybe he is that best option, but, but could it be that Johnson, is that as well for what he offers in the passing game as kind of a fourth wide receiver? Cause that's always been kind of what he is. So I'm not really, I'm not really clamoring to see more of Theo Johnson if he's not a hundred percent in this kind of game, but sure. I still want to see what he looks like in this year two of the Yersich offense. And yeah, to your point in this game, it would be like, we assume that um, a guy like uh, Jerry Cross is probably going to be a red light, freshman red yep. shirt this year. Um, so how quickly do they go to Johnson and uh, Khalil Dinkins in, in the two tight end mm-hmm. package and just give strange and Elston a blow? Because again, what is there to gain uh, other than the possibility of them getting mm-hmm. hurt in a game against uh, central Michigan? I wonder if they'll do the, uh, the Tyler Warren package just to put that on tape again. Tyler Warren. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I'm sorry. No, you're good. I, Tyler Elston is the linebacker. I, I do wonder if they'll do who, the Warren package again, just to give them more, you know, give other teams more to prep for on tape. Like that throwback pass that Keandre Lambert Smith had last week. Nice. I, I never knew that was in yours. It's just bag of tricks. Like I knew he had a lot in there, but I've never seen them do anything like that. It also shows that a mobile Clifford is the best kind of Sean Clifford. So, Oh man, I wanted him to score so bad. I feel like the O line was like hunting people to block, and then they missed just this little safety that snuck through and tripped Clifford up. Yeah, and it looked like they had a wall set to the end zone, and he was going to score. That was easy, that was but. a beauty. It felt like a like a modified version of the Dotson to Warren pass from the Auburn game last year. Mm-hmm. It really did. That that was a cool little wrinkle. So, and I think kind of this is actually a pretty good segue. Warren was kind of the unexpected breakout candidate of that Auburn game back in 2021. And let's be honest, it's more likely we're going to have an unexpected breakout candidate of a Penn State Central Michigan game than we are of a Penn State Auburn game. So give me a couple guys you think that maybe we're not talking about enough who could have, you know, not even a breakout game, but like a like a big moment that makes you say like, okay, that could be something to build upon for the future. 
Um, there, I have three guys in mind. We've talked about one of them already on defense. Um, KJ Winston, who I think is going to be an absolute stud at yep. safety. Um, Cam Miller has played in at least two, if not three games so far. And I think, you know, we t- who is your best 11? There may be a sit, like they may be trending towards a situation where they have, you know, six corners mm-hmm. that they don't, it doesn't matter the situation that they're ready to roll them out. Maybe like, obviously I think you want to have Joey Porter Jr. on the field and then Johnny Dixon, Kalen King have um, been the, you know, the opposite of that, but okay, let's Cam Miller is a guy I could see interception sack, that type of play. And then Kobe King, to be okay. honest, like um, getting a little bit more run at Auburn. And I think as he's continuing to get up to speed, I think that he is um, going to be leaned on as the season progresses um, in the middle. So I would love to see a big, a splash play from Kobe King to say, you know, kind of like really ratchet up that competition with Tyler Elston um, in the middle. For me, I'm going to go with Trey Wallace. I, I think Trey Wallace has been, just the the odd man out so far in this receiver room. I think we've seen big plays from a lot of different guys already. Amari Evans had that touchdown. You know, the three starters have all made their plays. And Trey Wallace is probably the fourth highest snap guy through the first three games. Think that's right. fair to say? I would think so. Yeah. And we yeah. really haven't seen him go out there and make that big play yet. And I know Stubblefield and Franklin have said they want a, tr- a true two deep along that group. So I'd be curious to see what that would look like if Wallace goes out there and makes that big play, because I think Evans is really pushing him. You know, he's a guy who, you know, is a converted high school quarterback who came in early for the spring and proved that he could go out there against Purdue in week one of his true freshman season. So there's clearly a yeah. lot to work with there. So if Wallace wants that job, I think this is the game where he has to make that kind of splash play. And in a similar vein, I, I think Liam Clifford is a guy that, you know, I'll be honest, okay. it would be cool to see Sean throw a touchdown to Liam. Like Clifford has said, that's Absolutely. a big thing he wanted to come back and attempt to do. And that would be really cool. Just, you know, full disclosure, I think that would be one of the most heartwarming moments of the Clifford era. And considering what he's been through, I think that would be a really cool way to to cap off the non-conference in, in, in just a, a really unique and fun way. I mean, that's the, that's the kind of awesome stuff that happens in college mm-hmm. football, and I'm absolutely here for and it. Then, and then one last guy before I forget, Drew Shelton. I know he's repping okay. at left tackle. Drew Shelton seems like the kind of guy who is going to be ready to start in his second year on campus. And I don't think Olu is going to go pro after one season as a starter. I, I just don't think that's in the cards. So is it worth seeing if Shelton can give you a little bit of a push at right tackle? I think yes. And I, I don't know how much he's practiced there. I, I'm not at practice anymore. And I know even when I was there, the offensive line has always been pretty tucked away and secretive at open media practices. But I'd like to see if he can, you know, raise that floor a little bit and, if he's able to do that, I don't know if he's the guy you go to ahead of this Michigan, Minnesota, Ohio State stretch. But if he can give you, you know, two series a game in that realm, that that's a pretty good true freshman season for an offensive lineman. Heck yeah, definitely. So I'd be I'd be curious about that. All right, Craig. 
score prediction time. Oh, man. As we've already said, Penn State is a pretty hefty favorite, 27 and a half, uh, depending on your book of choice, and 62 and a half over <laughs> under. Craig, what do you got? Man, I have just been thinking about a win, so this is kind of hard to put a specific number on. It feels on. harder than um, any other I, game I, so far. I, right? Because if they um, score less than 40, I, I doesn't do... it feel like a disappointment? Because you just went to Jordan Hare and, and oh, dropped absolutely. that many. Yeah. No, 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 no. Um, I don't, I don't know. I think they're going to push 50. I'm like, if it's all touchdowns, I'll tell, if we go tutty crazy in here, you, you could easily push that. I'm thinking like something like 46, 16 ish. Okay. All right. I like where, I like where your head's at. I'm going to go. I'm going to go a little bit bigger. I'm going to say Penn state 63. I think they're going to put up. I think, I think the defense gets a score. I think the defense, I I, I think it. last week was a turning point for that Manny Diaz defense. So oh, it was so fun to watch. Holy give cow. me Penn State 63, Central Michigan 10. And again, I don't know what kind of statement that makes because you kind of made your biggest statement of the season last week. But I, I think we're going to see a lot of Drew Aller. I think we're going to see a lot of Christian Veyer. And I think we're going to see a lot of backups get some really good run again considering they've gotten it in the past two games already. I love it. All right. Let, let's say, let's just maybe Aller throw for four touchdowns and then we can really ratchet up the, uh, the Clifford Aller. Rob conundrum. Parker in, in the live chat has uh, our four drives, four touchdowns. I don't know if that's throwing or if he just leads him on four touchdown drives or if he runs it in himself, either way, I would be more than happy with that. Leading rusher, Drew Aller, leading passer, <laughs> yeah. Drew Aller. Leading receiver, Drew. Allen. You remember when Keenan Reynolds at Navy was doing that on like a weekly basis? He was leading yes. them and everything. Yeah. Oh gosh, he was so fun to watch. Yikes. All right, Craig, that's all I got. Any final thoughts from you ahead of uh, this Penn State Central Michigan matchup? I hope people are listening to this on their drive up to State College. Are you going to the game this week, Craig? Oh man, I wish I got a nine-year-old baseball tournament all day in Annapolis Ooh, on nice. Saturday. So I'll be I'll be catching what? it. I'll be catching it after. <laughs> It'll it'll be Fritz watch after dark in, in my house. On what are the court, what are the so. lunch plans over in Annapolis? Are you packing? Or are you going to get something there? Ooh, I think we might pack. I don't know. There there is a Renaissance festival right across the street from one of are the you fields. Serious? So turkey leg, you know, stein of ale, mead, whatever <laughs> they serve there. So, but I I'm an assistant coach, so probably just either packing or getting something boring like Chick Fil A. Okay. All right in between the games fair enough fair enough well thank you all so much for listening a bit of a shorter preview episode but again this is should be a blowout we're efficient we, we are we are efficient yeah thank you again as always for listening to this edition of roar lions roar thank you to our sponsor home field apparel again that's 15 percent off your first order with promo code roar lions roar all caps at checkout be sure to like and subscribe on your podcast network channel of choice leave us a five-star review if you leave a question or a comment we will read that in the next episode whatever we see it i do not know how often craig you check if we get a new review i forget to more often than not so if you catch it before me let me know but again thank you as always for listening to this edition of roar lions roar for my co-host craig fritz i'm matt flipovitz go state go state baby